Welcome to God's Love Revealed Podcast. I'm Ellie Caswell, along with my co-host Jeff Williamson, who is a licensed professional counselor with a master's degree in marriage, family, and child therapy from Fuller Theological Seminary. He's been in practice for over 20 years and specializes in intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy. It's our hope to reveal the truth, life, and freedom of God's love manifested through Jesus Christ. Psychological, emotional, and spiritual freedom is possible through the love of Christ. For tonight's podcast, staying with the theme of God's love revealed through Jesus Christ, I want to take a look at the revelation of Jesus by the Father as a picture of Christ to the church, going back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the beginning and looking at how God chose to reveal Jesus as the perfect Adam, redeeming his bride. So when you say revealing his bride, are you talking about like ultimately revealing us as like the body and the church or revealing Jesus? Um, Both. And really how in revealing both Jesus, we could say as Adam, we could say Eve as the collective bride, it reveals perfect redemption. It reveals our Redeemer and what Jesus really did when he died for us. Um, What do you mean exactly by what he did when he died for us? So Adam and Eve are there in the beginning, okay? And let's say that Eve takes the knowledge of good and evil and she dies. And we know that that was um, spiritually, you know, she died spiritually and then she's going to die physically as well. But we could also say she died psycho-emotionally, too. Let's say she died and Adam didn't eat the forbidden fruit. Just bear with me as I make a point. The wording in the beginning is they were one, okay? She is bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. So let's say that he doesn't eat it and he stays with the father, okay? What I think the father would have said to Adam, and I'm just making a point, I'm not trying to say that this could have happened. I mean, God's sovereign will is there in the beginning. Bear with me. I just mean this kind of as a image. I really believe the father would have said, well, son, uh, good job being obedient and not following her into death. Since you are unfallen, you're sinless, you can die on her behalf. So the wages of sin, the wages of transgression is death. Okay, so she's going to die and she already has died spiritually. So God would have said, the father would have said, Adam, since you're one, I can put you in the ground, raise you up, and then she can be raised up with you because they're actually one if this is making sense. Okay. I'm just using it as an imagery. The reason it would have worked is because death would have had no claim on Adam because he was sinless. So as he's raised up, uh, she is raised up with him. He would pay the penalty on her behalf. The main point I'm trying to make is how intimate God's love is for us and how intimate the groom Jesus's love is for the bride. And also to show the oneness that we are the body of Jesus Christ, that we are one with him as the head is to the church, that there's a lot of imagery here made up in the groom and the bride. I see. So you're taking the bond that Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had in the beginning, he, she coming from him, and then him laying down his life 
for her. That's right. I'm using that, yes, to make a point that we can reveal Jesus in a way that's extremely intimate and also that we can better understand the oneness that we have as his bride, as his body, by using, going back to Adam and Eve and looking at it from that lens. Why don't we look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. If you could read that, Ellie, that'd be awesome. Okay, Genesis 2, 23. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Okay, so now let's jump over to Ephesians five thirty-one through 32, if you would read that. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And that last part, I think we automatically, most people think, oh, the mystery is profound, you know, the two shall become one flesh, and um, a man shall leave his father and his mother. But like the mystery of the way Christ is to his body that's right. That is the profound part. That's the profound part. And that, you know, when we hear the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, he is the head. We are the body. So what I'm trying to show is how literal this is, how Adam and Eve it is. And you see that Paul is pointing back to the exact same verse so that when we think of it this way, we can think of, like Paul says, Jesus is the last Adam. It's a different way for us to understand how God has revealed the Son. Okay, so if we go back to the beginning again, we know what happened in the garden is that um, Eve took of the knowledge of good and evil, okay, and then Adam followed suit, okay, and they became naked, and they became aware that they were naked, and um, they're living now in shame and guilt, okay? So we could say they're living in self-punishment. They're living in separation from one another and separation from God. Okay. So we know what happened. Adam didn't do what Jesus did, but I want to make the point that Jesus came into the world and we'll see this as we go through. He came into the world. He's in it, but he's not of it because he's sinless and only the incarnate God could do this, obviously. Um, He is now able to die on our behalf in a way that Adam could not do that for Eve if you're, you know, seeing where I'm going with this. So again, my point is just here to reveal Jesus in a different way. Let's go now to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to go through some passages in Romans so that we can see how much Paul is picking up on this theme. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's right. So then we know that the wages of sin is death. So when Jesus died for us on the cross, he took 
our punishment for our sin. He became sin on our behalf, um, meaning that he, by becoming sin on our, our behalf, could pay the death penalty, which is due us. Now, when I say us here, we got to think of ourselves as the collective bride. We got to think ourselves as the collective body. Um, we could almost say the collective Eve. Um, he took the punishment, the wages of sin, which is death, so that we don't have to live in this shame and guilt anymore. So let's go to chapter 5, 18 through 21. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here we see that Paul is picking up on the theme of the first man, Adam, how um, death reigned through his disobedience by not staying with the father for the perfect plan to get the bride back. Okay, He listened to Eve and then he took it into his own hands. We could say that he was deceived in trying to rescue her in his own strength. Okay, Um, But there's another theme here Okay, that I want to start to point out. Okay. That's really important. When we think of the knowledge of good and evil, okay, it's the knowledge of good and evil. So this thing called the law comes into the world, and we're going to see here in the verses that we're about to read through that um, that Paul is making it clear that the law is good, okay? Sin or evil takes opportunity with that good. So when we went to the knowledge of good and evil, we became aware of good and evil. You could say good and sin. Sin, as Paul's saying, takes opportunity against that good thing, the law, okay? But it's not able to save us, okay? And so, again, we're going to see these things as we play out so we can see where this new covenant is really going. So now let's go to Romans chapter 6, verse 5 through 14. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Okay, so now we're seeing what Jesus is really doing for us, okay? And we're going to see this really clear in the next um, uh, verses that we put forward. But 
we see this pressing thing where Jesus comes into the world with his grace that we could be born again of spirit. Okay, And so what Paul is saying is that when we are one with Jesus in spirit, that we have uh, a better covenant, that when we went to try to, when we went to the knowledge of good and evil, again, the good thing law gave sin evil an opportunity because against us, because there's no way now we can not sin. And we're going to see how Paul uh, specifies this. Jesus comes, he's the heavenly Adam. Okay, we're going to see this. He's not of the dust. He's not of the earth. He saves us so that we can be born again of spirit. Eve died in spirit. Adam stays with the father obediently that we can be born again of spirit bound to our true husband, or you could say the last Adam. Um, So we're going to see these themes play out here in this next part. We're going to read chapter seven. It's going to be a long, we're going to go, I think it's the entire chapter. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to do chapter seven, one through 25. And then we're going to go to eight, chapter eight, verses one through four. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. 
Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So we see here that in the first covenant, in a sense, we are married to the law. We're married to a good thing, the law, but makes us aware of sin, which has opportunity now to destroy us. And now we're free of the law. We live by the spirit of grace. We have this new husband, okay? We have this new Adam, this last Adam, who now, by living by spirit, we can be alive fully. um, And he's paid the price for the wages of our sin, which is death. So now let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 50. And this makes it very explicit what Paul is saying about Jesus being the last Adam, how his sacrifice for us, how he stayed with the Father. If you remember what I said at the beginning, it would be like if Adam stayed with the Father, then he could get his bride back, um, his body back, because he is unfallen. So here, let's see what uh, Paul is saying here. Again, this is 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-two through 50. So is it with the resurrection of the dead? What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So, by being one with our head, one with the last Adam, um, who is heavenly, he's not of this world, we too um, become heavenly. Our citizenship then becomes in heaven. And furthermore, we will be uh, translated in a twinkling of an eye, this, this perishable body will become imperishable. So you see here, Paul is making it very clear, the great mystery of Christ to the church, which again, we saw with um, Ephesians 5, it links it back to the exact same way that God spoke about Adam and Eve. And I was just looking at one of the last verses um, in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I just think it's 
like, again, he's reiterating the power in sin is the law. That's right. And Jesus came to take the law away. To fulfill it. To fulfill it. To perfectly fulfill it. it. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that the evil has opportunity against good as good is revealed in the knowledge of good and evil, and it sealed our fate because only the incarnate God would be able to completely fulfill the law and its standard, right? Mm-hmm. So um, Jesus then, in that sense, replaces the first Adam, we could say, that is now under the, in a sense, he's under the curse of the law. I mean, I know the law wasn't revealed yet, and Paul talks about that, but in a sense, he's under the the curse, okay? Um, and Jesus, in this world but not of it, he finishes the curse for us by fulfilling the requirements of the law. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So there we go. Right Right there. there. See? Why would we go back to this works-oriented mentality of going back to the knowledge of good and evil, when that's what made us die in the beginning. Why go back to this law mentality, though it is good, um, and why not rest in faith that Jesus Christ is our Redeemer? He is the one who paid the price for our sin, which is death, okay? That's the whole point of him dying and being raised, that the last Adam would pay that penalty for us, if we are the bride, if we are Eve, don't you think that the best thing we could do is have faith in the one who died for us? Don't you think that we could have faith that he is capable, not only just of justifying, as Paul's saying, but sanctifying us? And then when he returns to glorify us, it's faith that is counted as righteousness, So if we would understand how precious we are to Jesus, that we are his body, we are his bride, if we would understand that he loves us in the same way that Adam loved Eve, we could rest in that love. And God went through the trouble of revealing his love through Jesus Christ. It's there from the beginning. We can see it throughout in Paul's writings. Um, and we see it um, at the very end. So in conclusion, let's go uh, to the beginning one more time. Genesis two twenty three through 25. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And now we'll jump over to Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, showing the mystery of Christ to the church and how he has redeemed us from death and taken away our shame and guilt. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Thank you for joining us today. 
If you found this podcast to be insightful, please subscribe to our show and share with someone who would enjoy listening. And we look forward to meeting here with you again soon.